0: Section 3 of Crypt City of the Deathless One by Henry Cutner This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org Recording by Edith Kessrick of Southern Ohio Crypt City of the Deathless One by Henry Cutner Five. Slow, reddish dawn brightened over the forest. Garth felt someone shaking him. He grunted, stirred, and opened his eyes to see Paula's white face and, behind her, Samson. Yeah? What's wrong? He scrambled out of his blankets, blinking. The girl, pale to the lips, pointed toward a recumbent figure. Carver. Captain Brown. He's... I don't know. "'Samson said gruffly, "'Looks like he's dead. "'The men on guard duty said he didn't move once all night. "'Icy hands constricted suddenly around Garth's heart. "'Without answering, he got his kit and went over to examine Brown. "'The man lay motionless, his breathing normal, "'but a deep flush on his brown cheeks. "'It isn't the plague, is it?' Samson asked, his voice not quite under control. "'Garth shook his head. "'Hell no.' It's... He hesitated. Paula caught his arm. What? Some insect poisoned him? One of those butterfly things? Garth carefully repacked his kit. He didn't look up. He's got a dose of the noctoli pollen, that's all. It's not fatal. He'll come out of it after he leaves the forest, or after he builds up immunity. How long would that take? A month or more. Garth bent over the apparently sleeping man. Get up, Brown, he said insistently. Hear me? Get up. The captain stirred. His eyes opened, blank and unseen. He drew himself from his blankets and rose, looking straight ahead. Paula shrank back with a little gasp. There was a flurry of movement among the men in the background. He'll be all right tonight. The poison only works in the daytime. I've told you that. We can't march at night, Paula said. Not here. I know. It's impossible. Our lights would attract the butterflies and plenty of other things. Samson whirled on the others. Pack your equipment. We're getting out of here. Fast. They hurried to obey. Paula got in front of Samson as he turned and the giant stopped, blinking at her. You can't leave the captain here, Samson. We'll carry him then, but we're getting out. Garth moved to Paula's side. You won't need a litter. He can walk. Noctili poison works like hypnotism. You're semi-conscious, but your will's in abeyance. If anyone tells Brown to follow us, he'll do it. Paula was biting her lip. We can't go back now. We've only three days to go. Look, Samson said grimly. Why in the hell should we commit suicide? Suppose we head on for three days We reach this lost city of yours, or whatever it is. What then? We're in the middle of the Black Forest. Another thirteen days to get out. It's too much of a gamble. We're leaving now, and you can come along, or you can stay here. Suit yourself. He turned away. Left alone, Paula looked helplessly from the motionless, staring figure of Brown to Garth. Carver! He didn't move. Garth grinned wryly. He'll obey commands, that's all. He won't wake up till tonight. Paula clenched her hands. We've got to go on. We've got to. If we go back now... Commander Benson will clap us in the brig, eh? She looked at him angrily. It isn't only that. We'd lose our chance. You were right, Garth. We're after the power source of the Ancients. The secret's hidden here, in the Black Forest. That cipher from Chan proved that, to me anyway... Earth needs power more than you can imagine. Without it, civilization will collapse. Soon, too. Suppose we go on, Garth said slowly. I didn't tell you this, but the reason the poison hit Brown was because my antitoxin was too old. He had a short dose, too. The other men, well, they'll go under themselves in a day or so. You, too. Blue smudges showed under the girl's eyes. Oh she said after a moment. So it's like that. Just like that. Paula's stubborn chin tilted up. I don't care. There's still a way. We'll be all right at night, you said. Well, we'll do our traveling and fighting by night. Fighting? The Tsar know. Garth, we've got to do it, somehow. Once we find that power source, we can use it. There'll be weapons. The ancients left, I'm sure of it. The murals at Chon showed they had weapons— strong enough to conquer the Zarno, If we can get those... You're crazy, Garth said, plain crazy. What the hell do you expect me to do about it? Samson would knock my block off if I tried to stop him now. But he was thinking, we're losing more than a chance to find the Ancient's power source. I'm losing my chance to find the cure for the Silver Plague. No, he said stubbornly. Paula's lip curled. I should have known better than to ask you for help. I'll handle this myself. She unholstered her gun. Garth looked at her. She'd fail. She couldn't handle these ten hard-shelled fighters headed by Samson. She'd fail, and in the end, she'd go back to Earth, in the brig, back to certain death of the Silver Plague. Oh, it might miss her, of course. But it might not. Paula would die as Moira had done years ago. Garth shrugged and slapped the girl's weapon down. Stay out of this, he commanded and turned away, walking across the clearing to where Samson and the others were shouldering their kids. The red-haired giant looked up at Garth's approach. Set it up, he said. We're in a hurry. I'm not going. Samson's furry brows drew together. The hell you're not. We need you. There was a band of ice around Garth's middle. I know that. You can't get through without me. You'll never get out of the forest alive. That's tough. Paula and I are going ahead with Captain Brown. We're finishing what we started. You lousy so-and-so, Samson roared. His big hand reached out, clutching. Garth stepped back, drawing his pistol. Take it easy, he said under his breath. But there was a gun in Samson's hand now. Behind the giant, the other men stirred angrily. You're coming with us. "'Not alive. I won't be much good to you dead, will I?' After a moment, Samson reholstered his gun. He looked around at the others. Someone said, "'We can get along without that, son.' Samson glowered at him. "'Shut up. We can't. You'd have been sucked dry by that spider thing yesterday if Garth hadn't seen it in time. He knows where to walk in this hellhole.' Garth didn't say anything. He hesitated, holding his gun with casual lightness. Samson glared. What do you want, then? I want you to keep going. Finish what you started. Then what? We may find weapons. And other things. Suppose we don't. Then we'll come back. I got you in here, and I'm the only man on Ganymede who can get you out. Samson's eyes narrowed. Suppose we say yes. You can't keep a gun on us all the time. We might jump you. There are ways of making a man do things he doesn't want to do. Sure, Garth admitted. You could torture me. Only that wouldn't help. Samson's gaze flicked past to the girl. Garth said quickly, that wouldn't help either. Here's why. The antitoxin I gave you was too old. It isn't working the way it ought. Captain Brown was the first man to go under. But within three days, at the latest, every damn one of you will have the noctilite poison. Garth thought Samson was going to shoot him then and there. A yell went up from the men. Samson's lifted hand quieted them. The giant was pale under his space burn. Is that straight? Garth nodded. It's on the beam. Yeah, it'll take you a week to get out of the forest, and you won't last that long even if you force me to guide you. I don't think you can do that anyway, but even if you did, within three days, you'll be like the captain, walking dead men. You'll be okay at night, but you can't travel at night. By day, you'll be living statues, sitting in the forest, waiting for the bloodsucker plants to come along and drain your blood, waiting for the poisonous butterflies to paralyze you and lay their eggs under your skin, waiting... You've seen what sort of things live in the forest. Every day, you'll be helpless. You can't run. "'Some night you'll wake up with your legs chewed off "'or the butterfly maggots eating you alive. "'Like that? "'Well, that's what you'll get, "'and I'm the only guy who can save you.'" The faces of the men told Garth that his shots had gone home. The deadly menace of the forest, lurking always in the background, had worked into their nerves. Samson's big hands clenched. "'Damn you,' he snarled. "'You can't.'" Garth went on quickly, I'm handing this to you straight. We're in a spot, sure, but we can get out of it. I can make more antitoxin, but it'll take a while. I can't do it while we're traveling. I need equipment. Here's what I'm proposing. We all keep going the way we started. I'm immune to the pollen. We move fast, we'll reach the lost city, or whatever it is, before you go under. Then I can start making antitoxin. But I'll be able to make fresh shots and neutralize the noctiline pollen. It's too long a shot. Samson said. Okay, Garth told him. Suit yourself. Play it my way or commit suicide. He turned and walked toward Paula, who had not moved from Brown's side. Her eyes were steady on his. Thanks. That was nice going. Plenty nice, if you pull it off. It's suicide either way, Garth grunted. He began packing Brown's kit and his own. Footsteps sounded. Garth didn't turn. He heard Samson's deep voice, hoarse with repressed fear and rage. We're playing it your way, Garth. God help you if you make any boners. Sudden relief weakened Garth. He tried not to show it, though he realized that his hands were trembling. Fair enough, he said. We'll march in ten minutes. Get the men ready. Samson muttered something and retreated. Garth slipped the pack on Brown's shoulders. The captain, looking blankly ahead, didn't seem to notice. "'Keep your eye on him,' Garth told Paula. "'He'll be between us. "'He'll keep marching till we tell him to stop. "'See?' "'She nodded, moistening her lips. "'Yes. "'Is that going to happen to all of us?' "'Garth said nothing. "'There wasn't anything to say. "'But he knew, as he led the party away from the camp, "'how long a gamble he was undertaking. "'There were so many chances that he might fail.' The odds were plenty tough, yet the stakes were equally high. Had he known how difficult those odds were, Garth might not have risked it, for the Noctuli poison worked faster than he had guessed. Meantime, he guided ten sullen, fearful men, a walking corpse, and a girl deeper into the unexplored heart of the Black Forest. The Noctuli flowers breathed their poison from the underbrush, deadly and relentlessly. 6. That day, they met a new enemy, jet-black lizards, five feet long, that clung to the black tree boles, perfectly camouflaged till the party came close. Then the reptiles flashed toward them, fang jaws gaping. Constant alertness was all that saved them, that and the blazing guns that killed the monsters. Presence of the lizards was no respite from other perils, The bloodsucker plants were more numerous, and the camouflage moss made deceptively inviting paths through the red gloom. By dark, everyone was nearly exhausted, nerves worn to rags. Garth knew it would not take much for the men to explode into furious resentment against him. Luckily, an hour after they had made camp, Captain Brown woke from his drug trance perfectly normal. But it took a while to make him understand what had happened. For the first time, Garth saw Brown lose his iron self-control, and then it was only for a moment. A flash of stark horror showed on the captain's lean, hard face, to be gone instantly. He lit a cigarette, eyes brooding on Paula and Garth. Briefly, he glanced past them to the men, preparing their rations. "Uh Uh-huh, not so good. I suppose it's useless to think of traveling by night. It's impossible, Garth told him. You can make more antitoxin? Sure, but not here. It's too dangerous. We've been safe so far because we've moved fast, camping at a different spot every night. If we hold up, we'd have a gang of monsters down on us in no time. Brown considered. It's a nasty business having my own body go back on me. A bit of a shock. Well, he let the smoke drift from his nostrils. Two more days ahead of us, eh? Then we reached the Lost City. If it is a city, we don't even know that. But we do know there may be Zarno around. We'll have to arrive there soon after dark, so I'll be conscious. If there's a fight, I want to be in on it. Why the devil didn't you test that antitoxin, Garth? His voice was harshly angry. Garth didn't answer. Brown had given him the rush act, but he wasn't making any excuses. Paula said, this isn't the best time to quarrel. You'd better talk to the men, Carver, so there'll be no trouble tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Even the rebellious Samson was convinced by Brown's well-chosen remarks. They slept uneasily, with guards replaced every two hours, and the next day woke to find Captain Brown once more sunk into his noctiline trance. A few of the men complained of headaches. By mid-morning, Paula succumbed to the poison. Garth did not realize at first what had happened, then, turning, he saw the girl's blank face and wide eyes fixed straight ahead as she marched along, and knew she was entranced by the noctuli till nightfall. The exercise of walking, speeding metabolism, had hastened the action of the virus. They went on. An hour later, another man went under. Then another. By noon, only five men, including Garth and Samson, were still conscious. Their difficulties increased proportionately. They had to be on guard every second. The Noctilai victims walked quietly in line, but they did not react to danger. If the tentacles of a bloodsucker plant flashed out, they wouldn't try to escape. Their instinct of self-preservation had been dulled and blanketed. The afternoon was pure hell. Garth, Samson, and one other man had to guard and lead the rest. Their guns crashed incessantly, it seemed. When they camped at the onset of darkness, Samson and Garth alone remained. The red-haired giant, swaying on his feet, squinted at Garth, his face haggard with exhaustion. Nice going, he said sardonically after a time. What now? Maybe we'd better cut our throats. Garth managed a shaky grin. We're still okay, and there's only one more day left. Tomorrow, we'll make it then. We've got to. Unwilling admiration showed in Samson's eyes. You're dead on your feet. I don't see how the hell you can keep up this pace. Anyhow, we can't go back now. That's settled anyway. Yeah, the others will wake up after a while. We'll have to stay on guard till then. They did, guns drawn, peering at the silent depths of the forest around them, while the rest of the party lay motionless, helpless against attack. After a time, Samson spoke. Garth could not see his face in the heavy gloom. What are you after, Garth? Eh? I had you ticketed wrong, a beachcomber. There must be something plenty important where you're going, or you wouldn't be so anxious to get there. What is it? Treasure, of course, but jewels? Or what? Garth chuckled. There may be. I don't know. Don't care. Hmm. Samson was silent, baffled. "'Garth's mind swung back to that ever-present question. "'Had he killed Doc Willard? "'Very soon now he might know the answer. "'But that was important only to him. "'The vital point was the black notebook Doc had had with him. "'After a time, Captain Brown stirred and sat up. "'Then the others. "'The men were a little panicky, "'but the presence of Brown and Samson calmed them. "'Garth, relieved of guard duty, "'had fallen asleep almost instantly.' he woke at dawn. Red twilight filtered down from above. The others were laying motionless in their blankets. Samson's big body was huddled at the base of a tree. Wearily, Garth got up and went over to the giant. Samson, he called. Wake up, we've got a job. He stopped. Samson's eyes were open, fixed and blank, and his dark cheeks had a significant ruddy flush. The noctiline poison. Garth stepped back white to the lips. A sudden, horrible sense of loneliness pressed down on him. In the jungle, things seemed to move, closing in menacingly. He was alone now, alone, with twelve helpless companions to guard. Somehow, somehow, he had to get them through. One more day and they would be at their goal. They could not stay here, that was certain." Garth searched Samson's pack till he found a half-empty whiskey bottle. He poured the burning stuff down his throat, though it rocked him back on his heels. But he needed artificial stimulation. It was the only thing that could keep him going now. It helped. Garth took Samson's gun and stuck it in his belt. If his own jammed or ran out of ammunition today, it would be unfortunate. One more day. One more day. Somehow, he got Samson, Brown, and the others lined up. They would march when he gave the word. The hypnotic trance of the noctiline poison had turned them into robots. Garth put Paula directly behind him. The sight of her wan, drawn face made him feel a little frightened, though not for himself. He was remembering Moira, who had died on Earth years ago. Eleven men and a girl, and he was the only one who could save them. Garth made sure that the packs were in place on the men's shoulders. He took another drink, pulled out one of the guns, and gave the command to march. Like automatons, the line followed him. If the day before had been hell, this was double-distilled hell. Within an hour, Garth's nerves were scraped raw. He had to be constantly alert. The wrenching strain of watching for camouflage menace made his eyes ache. When movement came, he had to be ready ready to squeeze the trigger. He had to have eyes in the back of his head, for Samson, at the tail of the procession, was as helpless as the others. Liquor kept Garth going. Without it, he would have collapsed. By noon, he was forced to call a halt, his eyes throbbing with strain. But even then, he could not relax. Danger waited everywhere. He never remembered what happened that afternoon. He must have acted automatically through blind instinct, but he got them through, somehow. It was like awakening from deep sleep. Garth was abruptly conscious that he was marching forward, his head moving rhythmically, his eyes searching the jungle. The red twilight was almost gone. He whirled to see Paula directly behind him, unharmed. The others were strung out in single file, all of them, with Samson's red head at the end. None was missing. Garth shivered. His body was aching like fire. A quick glance showed him that his clothes were ribboned, his skin scratched raw, a long slash along his ribs. It had been treated with antiseptic, he saw, though he did not remember administering first aid, nor what had caused the wound. What had wakened him? He peered through the gloom, making out a dark bulk, regular in outline, ahead and to his left. A few paces further gave him the answer. It was a building of black stone or metal, no more than twelve feet high, with an archway gaping in the nearest side. Somehow, it struck a chord of memory. They must be near their goal. No savages had built this structure. The ancient race, the zarno they might be nearby. It would not do to encounter them now, while the men were in their Noctili trance and here, in the forest, they were without cover, at the mercy of the Czarno should they appear. Garth reconnoitered quietly, leading the others, for he dared not leave them alone. The black building seemed untenanted. He could vaguely make out a flight of steps leading down into darkness, and, more important than that, the threshold itself was thick with dust and mold. The temple was empty, which made it a good place to hide, Garth was beginning to realize he could not keep going much longer, at least without collapsing, but soon after dark the others would recover from their trance. He stepped warily across the threshold into the gloom of the temple. Simultaneously the flooring sank almost imperceptibly beneath his feet, and a deep, brazen bell note boomed out, hushed with distance, as though it had come from underground. Indecision held Garth motionless for a moment. That clang was a signal of some sort, a warning against trespassers, a warning to whom? He was answered quickly. A low cry came, harsh and oddly familiar. It was the first of many. Garth, hesitating on the threshold, uncertain which way the danger lay, instinctively reached out his arm and dragged Paula close. She came obediently to his side, her eyes seeing nothing. The others... They stood like frozen statues. Something flashed amid the underbrush. The scarlet tangle of vines and leaves was torn aside, and a figure leaped into view. A figure, manlike, yet not human. At first glance, it seemed to be a man in armor, more than six feet tall and proportionately broad. Its body gleamed with reflected light. Necklace. its head was a hairless, shining ball whose only features were two oval, jet-black eyes. They were uncannily menacing. A statue come to life, for the creature's body was obviously not flesh. It was hard, rough, and shiny as translucent glass. Silicate life sprung from a silicon chemical base, as earth life comes from carbon, but sentient, intelligent, and dangerous. Others like it raced into view, pausing as they saw Garth and his companions. The first stepped forward. He had no mouth, but a circular diaphragm below and between his eyes vibrated rapidly, forming recognizable words. A cron, It was the ancient tongue which Garth had learned five years before and never forgotten. It came back to him easily now. He was beginning to remember other things, too. These creatures, he had seen them before. The Czarno. We come in peace. He raised one hand, his nerves jolting, waiting for the answer. Presently it came. You are not a god. The others with you are not gods. We are the Czarno. We destroy. We guard the house of the gods till they return. Another of the silicate creatures pushed forward. Do you not know this being, Carn? Eight estads ago he came here with another like him. Do you remember? Carn nodded slowly. That is true. We did not slay them then, for we thought they were messengers from the gods. They pretended to be. We were not sure. This one escaped. The other went into the darkness. The other? Doc Willard? Garth felt his throat tighten. The darkness? What is that? The place from which only the gods return, Karn said slowly. Did he mean death? Before Garth could ask, the second Zarno spoke. They must be taken and sacrificed, Karn. Garth took out his gun. Wait, he said sharply as the Zarno moved forward. We have weapons. We can destroy you. You do not speak the truth. Only the gods can destroy us. Ages ago, they came here and built their temple and taught us to be wise. When they left us, we stayed on to guard the sacred places. Garth's mouth felt dry. We are messengers from the gods, he declared. It is not true. Karn began to walk forward. Take them. Garth knew he had lost. It was like a nightmare, the steady, relentless approach of the monstrous beings. Garth held his gun leveled, his arm tightened around Paula's shoulders. Keep back, he commanded, conscious of the uselessness of the words. Instead, Carn and the others walked on. The creature's shining arm lifted, clamped on Garth's shoulder. He fired. Carn did not seem to feel the bullet, though it had not missed. Garth squeezed the trigger again. The pistol jolted against his palm. The Zarno were invulnerable. Garth fought nevertheless. He could see the silicate men lifting his companions like sacks of meal, hoisting them to gleaming shoulders, and carrying them unresisting through the forest. Paula was torn from his grasp. Cursing, he struck out at Carne's impassive, inhuman face with the revolver butt. Useless. Nothing could harm these creatures of living stone. Ignoring his struggles, Carn prisoned Garth's arms and lifted him. Helpless, Garth was carried after the others. He forced himself to relax. A fury of impotent rage flooded him. He battled it down. Better wait. A chance might come later. Just now, there was none. Wait. Through the forest they went, a score of the silicate creatures, striding like armored giants in the darkening red glow not far. A pillar of black metal loomed before them soon, broken by an archway. Two of the monsters guarded it. For a moment, Garth mistook the monolith for one of the ebony trees. Then he realized his error as they crossed the threshold and began to descend a spiral ramp. Now there was light, a cool, silvery radiance that seemed to come from the walls. Carnes' footsteps thumped hollow, tirelessly. Sudden weakness made Garth dizzy. He caught a glimpse of a well around which the ramp wound, a pit dropping away to the heart of the world, it seemed. Utter exhaustion struck him like a physical blow. End of section three.